I'm Carmen Poliafito, and I'm here tonight with Dr. David Boyer of the Retina Vitreous Associates Group in Los Angeles and the Keck School of Medicine of the University of Southern California. And we're going to talk about his presentation at the Angiogenesis 2021 virtual meeting. Dave, happy to have you here. Welcome to Retina Synthesis. Thank you, Carmen, for uh, having me here. I I'm looking uh, forward to seeing uh, further episodes on your uh, podcast. Uh, you gave a, a very interesting presentation on the use of re retinal progenitor cells for the treatment of retinitis pigmentosa. Can you briefly summarize what the study was about and your key findings? Um, certainly. You know, it, as everybody in the audience is aware, we do not have any treatments currently for retinitis pigmentosa. And this is using progenitor cells to um, treat patients with retinitis pigmentosa with the hope of improving vision and improving visual fields. It is a, um, a study we've done the, this was a phase two study, and we took patients and divided them into three categories. We took all comers. We did not uh, differentiate based upon the clinical picture or the genetics. So all comers were, uh, were enrolled. They were enrolled into three groups, three million cells, six million cells or a control group. And, um, you know, just to uh, reiterate, these were regenerative cells. These are not something that's replacing, we're, we're not resurrecting the dead, but we're able to, uh, through um, different ICAMs and, and different neurochemicals, to be able to enhance some of the cells that are still living to give a better result. So the additional, uh, the, uh, the uh, patients were divided, there were about 27 patients in each group. There were a couple eliminated because they received the wrong dose. Um, but we had a, a very significant uh, group, almost 25 in each group. And when we looked at the overall group, we found that there was about a four letter improvement from the uh, sham group to the six million group. And um, we found that there was some improvement both in the mobility testing, uh, visual field testing, and uh, the BFQ. There was no, uh, the, there was not a significant difference. Four letters is great, but uh, it's not enough really to go forward. But when we started analyzing the previous literature, a lot of which had been done by Janet Sunnis, we started to look at patients who had um, visual fields less than 12 degrees, and found that the literature certainly supports not enrolling those patients in, in future trials based upon the fact they can't really fixate that well. And then we also looked at patients who have three lines, less vision in the eye we were treating, and there was some form of, uh, uh, not amblyopia, because uh, it's, but some form of decrease in vision that wasn't able to be improved. And this has been shown in, in the literature. So we took this, these two parameters and, took, and started looking at the patients again. And if you took all the patients and, and used these criteria, you suddenly got a major improvement. You got 16 letters of improvement and an improvement in all the secondaries, the um, BFQ, the visual fields, the low luminance um, the maze, and um, it was very significant. So 
A further analysis was done through the coli clinic to try to uh, identify patients who could get a bigger improvement. And when we started looking at these patients, we found that the OSIS thickness was very important and that the general thickness in the foveal area itself was also extremely important. And when you put those two in, you are identifying the group of patients that in the future in a phase three trial will be tested. So I think that you know the take-home message was uh, for me that we have the ability, at least in RP, to enhance vision and visual fields. And in a certain group of patients who have not gone on to going too far down that you know we can't get the cells to be reactivated. And um, point in time, I'm very hopeful that this product will be available uh, in the future, that it will show in phase three trials to be as beneficial as it was in the phase two. Where are the retinal progenitor cells from? How are they derived? They're, they come from uh, fetuses. Um, they are then um, grown and they go through a manufacturing process. Um, one of the reasons there were only two centers that could do this was at the time, these were done for the University of California in Irvine. And you had to be within a couple of hours of the ability to deliver the cells. So Barry Cooperman at the University of California in Irvine, myself at Retina Vitreous, were the two sites. We did have patients coming from the East Coast through um, the courtesy of Jeff Heyer, who was able to follow the patients post-treatment, um, but all the cells were administered um, at the site. And the, the cells came from Northern California. Um, they were not at UCI, but, but the cells were sent there, cryo-freezed, and then grown, and then going through a, a series of um, of washings to uh, get the final uh, product. And how were they delivered? Um, they came to us, you know, in, in a, a, a syringe to be able to inject it directly. This is an intravitreal injection done in the office. We didn't have a hood. We didn't have to, uh, you know, dress. We just gave a standard intravitreal injection, one injection, um, and these results were at the one year level. We're currently undergoing um, additional treatment. We're now retreating some patients to see if there is any uh, immunologic response. Do we, do we get uh, an antigen antibody reaction? So far, there hasn't been any, but it's too early to, to really determine that. So I'm you know, very hopeful that um, this may be something that lasts a year, two years, or we may have to give this injection you know, periodically to um, continue to boost the cells. Did you see any structural changes on the OCTs? We didn't see, you know, we, we, we saw structural changes that the coli clinic identified through um, proprietary software of who would benefit. But at this time, we, do, we don't have enough information that shows that there was a, an increased thickness of, you know, the central foveal thickness or an increase in the OSIS junction, but we can identify which patients seem to benefit the most. And um, with these on-block, on-FOS um, OCT images, we can actually look at it and see the easy uh, zones. And, and really, you can definitely determine based upon that, which patients should have a marked improvement in their visual fields and their vision. Is there any potential application of this in dry macro degeneration? 
Well, I, I, I do believe that dry will be the next um, front that, that we'll try to you know, conquer. I think this should, based upon what we're seeing, should take cells that, you know, that are senescent and, and, and uh, make them alive. We, we've seen this with integrins now. Uh, we've seen it with other things, uh, stealth um, using a cardiolipin enhancer of mitochondria also showed it. So I think that we will be able to, for dry AMD, to have something that will enhance these cells and uh, hopefully prevent them from, uh, from going on to apoptosis. Well, thank you so much, Dave. This is uh, an excellent session and uh, uh, some exciting work that hopefully will give hope to patients that have been looking for hope for a long time. No, I agree with you. I hope it works. Thank you. Take care.